Uh, this Saturday, just a few days away, we have a water baptism. If you've never been baptized, if you've rededicated your life to the Lord, you sense that God is calling you to get baptized this Saturday. Uh, you want to be there. You can sign up ahead of time uh, at calvarymiami.com events. And uh, we also often have people that show up and they don't know they're going to get baptized, but they do because the Lord is leading. So uh, as Pastor Zach has been telling us, even if you're not planning on getting baptized, it's a sweet, sweet time with our church family. Uh, so please come on out if you can to, to enjoy that. Married Couples Retreat is September 10th. Uh, 10 to 12, 10, 11, and 12, three days, and today is the last day to sign up. So if you haven't signed up, please go online and sign up. Again, calvarymiami.com slash events. Uh, if you've been around uh, Calvary Chapel Miami for a while, we've kind of consolidated everything to one page, so it should be pretty simple and straightforward for you. So calvarymiami.com slash events. If you need help, stop at the info table. And lastly, God's Way Radio Summer Bash is happening August 13th. Um, I feel like I've been talking about this all day long, but I'm not with you all all day long, so it might be new for you or, or the first time you hear about it today. So August 13th, uh, the Lord is really leading. I can go on and on about it, but we're really excited. We're going to start at four with food and games, and uh, there'll be some tables here, uh, some not-for-profits, some ministries from the community. Uh, Miami-Dade Police is supposed to be here and have some of their things, and uh, so really excited for all that's going on outside. And then a little before 8, we're going to come inside. We're going to have a concert, a Christian rap artist, a contemporary Christian music artist, some worship, and a gospel message. So we're really excited. Uh, some of the people on staff are going, man, it has been a long time since we've done a concert. This is going to be great. So, so we're really, really excited for that. So uh, all the information is at godswayradio.com, and just click on Summer Bash at the top. Uh, so let's uh, get into the, the teaching. I'm going to uh, pray here in a moment. We'll be in Psalm 46, and uh, we pray that the Lord uh, would just bless this time. Lord, we come to you now uh, just asking you to breathe upon your word. Uh, Lord, to speak to us. Lord, thank you, uh, God, that you can speak to every one of us individually through the same passage of Scripture. Uh, Lord, thank you that your word is living. So we just ask your blessing upon this time together, uh, Lord, for the edification of every person here, that you might be blessed, uh, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I want to read through Psalm 46 uh, with you. It's only 11 verses, so I think we can read through the whole thing. Bibles, thank you, ushers. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. You're going to need one. Uh, we'll be in Psalm 46, and then uh, we'll reference some other scriptures as well. Thank you, thank you. Um, we can do what we do here tonight because everyone's serving. So we pray for the parking lot ministry. We pray for no more technical difficulties. I saw the projector go on and off. I was thinking, oh, Lord, not today. So, so we pray for everyone serving behind the scenes. Thank you, Lord. Uh, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand high. And if you don't have one, if this is your first uh, Bible that you've gotten in your hands in a while, take it home, write your name in it, and read it. Psalm 46, let's read the whole thing together, and then we'll go back and, and look at it in detail. It actually starts here with a, a bit of a heading to the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah, a song for Alamoth. 
God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of their tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts, <clears throat> the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Psalm 46. According to Spurgeon, Psalm 46 is called a song of holy confidence. It is also known as Luther's Psalm. Uh, that great hymn, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God, was written as a paraphrase by Luther of Psalm 46. J. Vernon McGee points out that Psalms 45 through 48 are all pointing to the future millennial reign of Christ. If you read them uh, together, uh, they're all about that future kingdom. I have some, some titles, some headings in my Bible going back to Psalm 45. The heading is the glories of the Messiah and his bride. And then Psalm 46's heading is God, the refuge of his people and conqueror of the nations. Psalm 47's heading, praise to God, the ruler of the earth. And Psalm 48's heading, the glory of God in Zion. So they're all pointing to that future millennial reign of Christ. And they all seem to be written by the sons of Korah. Uh, again, it's kind of background information for those of you who kind of like Bible nerds like me. Verse 1. We read, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know, it's interesting, this word refuge is actually translated a few different ways into English, and one of the ways is hope. In Jeremiah 17, do not be a terror to me, you are my hope in the day of doom. I, doom excuse me, I think Jeremiah 17, 17. You are my hope or my refuge in the day of doom. It's translated trouble, um, or excuse me, uh, a very present help in trouble, right? That word trouble is translated as trouble, distress, affliction, adversity, anguish, tribulation, adversary. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It's almost hard to elaborate on that. It's so straightforward. It's so clear. He is very present. It talks about time and space. He, he's quick to help. He's close to help. He's a very present help in trouble. He's our refuge 
and strength. There's another scripture that talks about how the Lord is near. There's actually two phrases that I could find in King James translation. The Lord is near. Twice it says the Lord is near. Who is the Lord near to? Psalm 34 verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Psalm 34 18. And then again in the Psalms. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. You know, as you think about this verse, this opening verse, as you meditate on it, we, we encounter difficult circumstances, tribulation, confusion. We too often let ourselves go to thoughts like, God, where are you? Why did you let this happen? as if somehow this circumstance escaped God's grasp or God is out of control or wasn't paying attention. We act like when things are good, God is close. Right? Even we come to church and it's sunny outside and it's past, uh, it's past summer, so it's cooled off a bit and uh, we're not sweating and it's, it's comfortable and we get here and things are going well at home and we feel really good and the worship is really good and the message is really good and we think, oh, I, I felt the Lord. Oh, I really sense God today. Oh, the Lord really moved today. But we don't talk like that when things aren't going well. Right, when we come to church and we had to drive through a thunderstorm and nobody else knew how to drive that day except for us. When we get here and we weren't feeling the worship, we, we didn't engage, we couldn't click. We hear the teaching or the message and we think, oh, I, oh, I, I don't know, I was hoping for something else. It didn't really apply to me. We don't say the same things. We don't say, I felt the Lord move. I, I sensed the Lord. Oh, that was powerful. But it, our feelings don't affect who God actually is and where he actually is. So if you're in troubles, if you come here today or you come this weekend or, or you've come in times past and you've been in trouble, he is a very present help. Even if you don't feel it or, or you can't quite grasp it or you can't, can't quite see it, he is a very present help. Some other examples I wrote here, I'm just thinking, who could be here tonight? When we can't go to church for, for whatever reason, maybe you're watching, streaming, you want to be here, but you can't. You're arguing with your spouse, short-tempered with your kids. Can't wait to move out of your parents' house because they drive you crazy. Nobody here, nobody here. In trouble, in distress, in difficulty, the Lord is a very present help. Maybe your loved one is sick. Maybe you recently had a loss, a loved one that has passed away. A very present help in trouble. It says God is our refuge and strength. He is. He simply is our refuge and strength. That, that's who he is. That's his existence. And we would do well to, to remember that. Not just when we feel it or when things are going good and we feel like God is with us. But that we would know he is even when we don't feel like he is. So important. So, so important. And what's interesting is that this remains true 
even if that trouble is your own sin. God is present. God is a very present help. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, He is the Father of mercies. He is the Father of mercies. In Exodus 33, and we're going to spend some time in Exodus 34 now. In Exodus 33, when Moses asks to see God's glory, the Lord responds by saying, I will make my goodness pass before you. And then we get to Exodus 34. And again, this point here, this this juncture in our teaching is to, to look at the scripture that even in our sin, even in our failure, God is a very present help in time of trouble. If you're troubled, if you're grieved, if you're suffering, if you're crying out to God, God, this, this, this sin, I, I want to get past this. I, 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 Lord, I, I desire a breakthrough. I, I, I hate that I do this thing. God is a very present help in time of trouble. We read in Exodus verse 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him, before Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Besides the incarnation, this is probably the most detailed description we have of who the Lord is. And when the Lord, describing himself, begins to speak, he says, merciful and gracious, not strict and demanding, not exacting, not punishing. He says, merciful and gracious. Those are the first words out of God's mouth when he chooses to describe who he is. Merciful and gracious. Even the word mercy It says, keeping mercy for thousands. That's the Hebrew chesed. And it would be translated mercy or loving kindness. Eventually, it would be translated grace. Keeping mercy and loving kindness, covenant love, merciful love, the the loving kindness of the Lord for thousands. Chesed, grace for thousands. And keeping mercy for thousands could be translated thousands of generations. Thousands of people or thousands of generations. And so the last part, the part that begins with by no means clearing the guilty, at first seems so different from the first part. The first part, oh, wow, God is gracious and and long-suffering and, oh, beautiful. We love this picture. And then it it almost gets really strict. It's almost like, how are these two things next to each other? They almost seem opposite or something. Without this last part, this last part is needed. The second part is needed because without the the second part here of God describing who he is, we could just say God is a softy. We could just say God just lets everything go, but he doesn't. He said he does not clear the guilty. He says that he's a God of justice. And so we know that the first part of the description is not because God's a softy or God lets things go or, or it's messy love, do whatever you want, figure it out. It's because he truly loves. It's because his, his grace is greater than our failures. 
not because he lets things go. And even getting there to the contrast, the children's children, the third and fourth generation, well, look at what he said about his grace and his mercy to thousands of generations. His, his mercy goes farther than our sin, farther than our failures. His mercy continues and continues. And so even if your trouble is brought upon yourself, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Turn to the Lord. You're not too far. It's not too bad. It's not, oh, well, you know, that Bible verse only applies to like, you know, somebody T-bones me or, or something really bad happens around me and, you know, it wasn't my fault. No, it, it applies all the time. Whatever trouble, he is a very present help. Turn to him. Dan Ortland uh, thought this was a great quote. God's goodness will be passed down in a way that inexorably swallows up all our sins. It's his goodness and his grace. Moving on to verse 2. <laughs> We're going slow here, but we'll speed up. We'll speed up. It says, therefore, we will not fear. You would think that this would come at the end of the psalm or something, right? We need the whole chapter and then, therefore, don't be afraid. All we needed was verse 1. God is a very present help in time of trouble. God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear. Close the Bible, go home. That's it. We got, we got who God is and the application. So don't be afraid. God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear. If God is present with you in your troubles, what is there to fear? Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans chapter 8, verse 31. You know, our tendency as human beings is to fear. Even if we won't admit it or describes ourselves as, describe ourselves as fearful people, our tendency is to fear, to be afraid. Worry is just fear of future circumstances. You're, you're afraid of things not going according to plan or something bad happening. That's worry. You're afraid. We're, we're fearful. Self-doubt and condemnation is the fear that somehow we've messed up so bad, God won't accept us. God won't forgive us. We're too far gone. People don't love us. It's fear. It's fear. Just think about the popular phrase, right? FOMO. Fear of missing out. We fear everything. We're afraid of everything nowadays. FOMO. Fear of missing out. When we are bombarded by fear, but the Bible tells us over and over again, do not be afraid. Check this out from Spurgeon. All other refuges are refuges of lies. All other strength is weakness, for power belongeth unto our God. It just sounds better when they put the belongeth in there, right? Spurgeon. I was speaking with a brother recently, and he shared something with me, and I thought it was so applicable tonight. We're talking about 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It says, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. So we, we often think the opposite of love is hate, but it seems to be that the opposite of love is fear. Fear and love are contrasted there in 1 John chapter 4. And fear is not of God. Perfect love casts out fear. It, it expels fear from our life, the love of God. And so 
You know, I was wondering, does, do I even go there? But I think I should go there. I think it's relevant. Just the glimpses of what I see on, online and on news feeds, I think it's important to remember. Satan wants us to be afraid. And any government or news outlet or person that participates in this fear-mongering is not of God. It's not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. We go to verse 3. And verse 3 and 4, there's not a lot to say. In a sense, it's, it's God driving the point home. Psalm 46, verse 3. Verses 3, uh, 2 and 3, excuse me. The rest of 2 and 3. Even though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, even if the literal ground under our feet is ripped away, we will not be afraid. You know, I, I, I'm always trying to be so careful, but it's hard to ignore something right in front of you. And just the facts of life. And there's people that, after Surfside, are afraid to go into certain buildings. There's people that have been affected by this tragedy, that, that it's rocked their world. I heard of a family, um, I think it was, yeah, I think it was a young man in his 20s, a mother and a little sister. They were in the building and some of their family didn't make it out. And... Um, Last I heard, this was a few weeks ago, that young man wasn't sleeping. He couldn't sleep in a building. He was afraid. He was gripped with fear every hour of the day. And that's understandable. That is absolutely understandable, uh, going through a traumatic experience like that. However, not however, what I would say to him and what I say to us is that even if literally the ground under our feet were to fall away, he is our refuge and strength. God is with us. Do not be afraid. God doesn't say that it won't. He says even if it does. Even if it does. And then we get, you know, I read this and it almost, it says shakes with its swelling. I, I read this and I am this imagery and the mountains moving and the storms. And it's almost like the psalmist building this picture of a storm and then Selah. It stops. It's like the waters get calm, like when Jesus calmed the storm on the sea. Selah. And I think I may have heard somebody, I don't know who you were, but I think I heard, what's Selah? So I'm glad you asked if somebody did ask that, if I heard that correctly. Um, it's probably a, a musical notation. Uh, the, the heading there to the chief musician, a lot of the psalms were written to music. And it's probably a musical notation, because there's actually other Hebrew words that... Um, more specifically means stop and meditate on the Bible verse. I'm oversimplifying, but so this probably means pause the music and also to reflect on the lyrics, but, but it was probably a musical notation. So for us here, when we read this, it, it serves for us a reflection time, right? Pause and reflect. If you notice, and do this, if you read through the Psalms, read the Selahs and pause at the pauses, uh, I don't know if you noticed when we were reading together, I paused at the Selahs. And, and it's, it, it affects your reading, it affects your receiving of the text. It's a beautiful thing, beautiful uh, psalms. And so this, it's building up, it's, you know, it's almost like 
if, if, you, if your memory is so bad that you forgot verses 1 and 2 and now you're reading and you're kind of, a, uh, what's the word here? You're too into it and the mountain's shaking and ah, Selah, Selah, stop, pause. Remember what you just read. Remember the Lord is, is uh, a very present help in trouble. So that's what Selah is when you see it there in the Psalms. Then we read verses 4 and 5, and um, if you know your Bible, these images, a river in a city, God is there. This is alluding to something, right? We already talked about it, the millennial kingdom, the coming kingdom of Christ. And, and this is all there, right? The Bible talks about it in Ezekiel and in Revelation and here in the Psalms. We're going to read some of those now. I'm going to read from Ezekiel. If you want to turn there, I'm just going to read one scripture. Ezekiel chapter 48, the very last chapter in Ezekiel. Some of these I have written down. Some of them I'm going to have to turn to. Excuse me, 48. I don't know if I said 38 or 48. Ezekiel 48, the last chapter. Ezekiel here in the last chapter, God through Ezekiel, through the prophet, is showing us the, the, the coming kingdom, the coming land. Chapter 47, the heading is the healing waters and trees, the borders of the land, the division of the land. And the very last verse, verse 35, Ezekiel 48, verse 35. I hear pages turning, I'll wait. That's a good thing. Pages, turning, going to the Bible, reading the scriptures. Thank you for participating. The very last verse. All the way around shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there. And if you want to do another really just cool and just a blessing of a study, look up the names of God. So many names and descriptive names throughout the, the Hebrew Bible and even in the New Testament. Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there talking about the city that is coming, the millennial kingdom. And then we get more information in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. We're going to spend a bit of time there now. Revelation chapter 21 and 22. my pen here to mark the page. Look at verse, um, Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Right? We're, we're co- comparing or we're looking at the parallels with Psalm 46, verse 5. God is in the midst of her. God is there. Ezekiel said, the Lord is there. Revelation 21, verse 3. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I gotta read verse four, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I wanna say so much. 
But I think I could summarize it all by saying no more people just doing whatever lines their pockets at the expense of safety and people's lives. And we move on. Uh, Revelation verse um, chapter 22. The heading there is the, the river of life. We're looking at the parallel now with verse 4, Psalm 46, verse 4. Stay in Revelation. I'll read Psalm 46, verse 4 for you. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. Revelation chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. And then it goes on talking about the, the tree that yields its fruit every month. there's so much there to love the throne of God and the lamb the lamb is on the throne the lamb is God God is the lamb Jesus the lamb the lion it's an amazing thing and again Psalm 46 pointing us to the kingdom pointing us to the millennial reign of Christ he's seated on his throne the the healing river to the nations the the, the conquering Christ the the millennial kingdom that's verses 4 and 5 and then we have, at the end of verse 5, uh, in Psalm 46, stay in Revelation, Psalm 46, verse 5, the last phrase, God shall help her just at the break of dawn. There's a parallel there as well. Let's see here. God shall help her just at the break of dawn, the rising of the sun. Revelation chapter 21, verse 22. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are his temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor to it. Just at the break of dawn. And, you know, coming back to, in a sense, applying this to our lives, how we can take this and, um, yeah, apply it to our lives. Remember the scripture also says, um, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And, and that might be literally, right? I, I had a, a friend who actually got a, a piece of food stuck in his throat. For 45 minutes. And, uh, you know, he knew that God was his refuge and his strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And so he, he tells the story. It's a great story. I can point you in his direction. But uh, that, that wouldn't last forever, right? And he considered going to the hospital, and he didn't, and it was fine, and the food went down. But, but we, we go through things, whether it's 45 minutes, we have a piece of food stuck. Oh, wait, I think I can breathe. Am I choking? No, I can kind of breathe. Or worse things, or worse things. It might be a nighttime. And again, God, God sort of grows our faith, right, over our life. And I know having little children and then being sick and the fever's up and the fever's down and you're not sleeping and all night and... You know, but, but I look at my mom, I don't know how she did it. I had heart surgery before I was a year old. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I, I don't think I can handle that. You know, so the Lord didn't give me that yet. Um, but, and, and on and on and on. Maybe, maybe you've gone through more difficult things with your children, with your family, personally. Maybe it hasn't been a night or a year. Maybe it's been a decade. 
something with your spouse. You've been praying for a spouse. Maybe it's been a long time. Do we trust? And this is a challenging question because if the, if the honest answer is no, let us be honest and let us ask God to, to meet us there and to grow our faith and, and to do a work in our lives. But do we trust that God is going to help just at the right time, just at the break of dawn? Do we trust God's time? Isaiah chapter 55, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Do we know that? Do we trust that? Do we believe that? I'm sure we can grow in that. Maybe you need to grow big time in that. That's okay. Admit that to the Lord. Say that to the Lord. Do you trust that God shall help her or him, you, just at the break of dawn, at that right time? Verse 6, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. Psalm uh, chapter 2 says that he laughs when the nations rage. God laughs. I, I, I have nothing else to say there. I just think that's a really cool picture, God laughing as the nations are, are raging. You know, and that's something else too, just other discussions throughout the week. I think we're going to see as we get through this psalm, if our view of God is like that softy, right? Oh, God is love and God is easy peasy and God is good and God is fine. That, that's not a complete view of God. That's not a correct view of God. And so, yes, the Lord of the universe, we're going to read here in a few moments, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of every angel army and heavenly existence, yeah, he laughs when somebody thinks that they could possibly even get on his level. God, God is amazing. Like, like, God is awesome. I guess I'm thinking like a guy right now, like, yeah. But God is amazing. God is not a pushover or softy. God is just and God is powerful. Psalm 2 actually specifically says, when they take counsel against his anointed. And, and a lot of times I think we kind of apply that to ourselves. And then to a degree, right, his anointed people. But it's talking about his Messiah, when people put themselves against Jesus or come against Jesus or talk against Jesus, God laughs. Okay. Now, I'm going to turn there. Come on. I'm going to turn there. Psalm chapter 2. You know, did you know, if you want to really have fun sharing the gospel, share it from Psalm chapter 2. There's a full gospel presentation in Psalm chapter 2. We can't do the whole thing today, but it is amazing. Verse 1, it starts, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Why are they planning this vain thing? This ain't going to go anywhere. What are they doing? They're wasting their time and effort and energy. This is a vain thing. What are you so frustrated about? It's like, no, no disrespect, my daughter. I love you, Judah. But it's like Judah, my daughter, she just turned four. She's going to be 20 soon. Um, it's like my daughter throwing a, a fit or having a difficult time emotionally, maybe that's a nicer way to say it. I'm, sometimes I kind of run out of comforting things to say. I'm like, love, this isn't going to change anything. Just stop. I'm sorry. Like, this is not doing anything. I love you. You should stop crying now. We need to calm down. This is not going to change. And then Tiff does a better job. But um, it's like that. It's like, and God's going, this isn't doing anything. This is going nowhere. So just picture the pop. 
into my head. But imagine that, like imagine us as little toddlers. Imagine entire nations as little toddlers in the eyes of God. God is powerful. We're going to get to that, the Lord of hosts. Okay, we need to keep going. Um, But Psalm chapter 2, look how it ends. This is like, this always makes me go, whoa. The very last verse, Psalm chapter 2, kiss the son, S-O-N, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Some English translations say, pay homage to the son. The son is the king. The son is the coming king. Jesus is the coming king. You know, I, I think of, I don't know if this is the exact image that God through the writer meant to portray, but I think of, you know, in like those old stories and medieval customs or whatever, that the king would like put out his hand and they would kiss the ring. I think of that, like that homage, that, that reverence, that respect, bowing to the king. This man could take my head if he wanted to. He rules over nations and armies and he has a palace guard with him. I'm a nobody. And to bend over and to kiss his hand. Thank God we have a merciful king, a loving king, a king who desires terms of peace and reconciliation. But that's who he is. That's who he is. Back to Psalm 46. So read through Psalm chapter 2. It's, it's awesome. Um, so we get to uh, verse 7, which I've been alluding to. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts, like I said already, it's this title. It means the God of the angel armies, the commander of the armies and the soldiers of heaven. Um, and it's meant to invoke that picture. This is a commander. This is a king. This is a warrior. This coming king. And then the God of Jacob. When I read the God of Jacob, that phrase, I think again of God's mercy. I think of a covenant God, the God of Jacob. I think the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who made a covenant to Abraham, who reestablished the covenant with Jacob and Isaac, with Isaac and Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that reestablishes covenant with Isaac and Jacob, that, that, that blessed, that, that, that um, distributed, right, to the 12 sons of Jacob. I think of that covenant-keeping God. And I think of how God's covenant, I think of how God's dealings with us are so often one-sided. How much did Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob do to, to keep their end of the bargain? They made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> they gave God a lot of reasons to back out. But God wouldn't back out because we have that picture that God made a covenant to Abraham with himself and through himself and of himself while Abraham was asleep. There's a beautiful picture in the Old Testament. God puts Abraham to sleep and then he initiates a, a, a ceremonial covenant, a covenant in blood with animal sacrifice. And it said God walks through, I think it says a, a pillar of smoke walks through the sacrifices to establish the covenant covenant, and the whole time Abraham is asleep. God is making a promise and God is making a promise that he won't go back on. The God of Jacob. The God of Jacob is our refuge. That's who we run to. That covenant God. That commander of the armies. That's who we run to. Not a fickle God. Not a God that might be mad at me today or might not want to hear my problems today. The covenant God, the God of Jacob. Now again, I, you know, there's only so much time to, to, to go back and forth. And 
The Bible talks about quenching the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit and sin and how it, how it, how it uh, breaks fellowship with God. There's, there's all these truths. If you're here tonight and you're in rebellion, you, you're not paying homage to the king. You're, you're not recognizing the king. You, you don't understand who the Lord of hosts is. If you're just going, whatever, I can't wait to get out of here and run to sin, you don't know that this God is a God of angel armies, that he's a conquering king, that he's a coming king. But if you desire God, if you're broken about your sin, run to him. He's a refuge. If you're not broken about your sin, you best be. But if you're halfway there, just run, come. Run to him. He's a refuge. You know, I was talking with Tiffany about this. And we both kind of landed on the same picture. It's like a child running to their father or their mother. They, they don't think so much. They, they get scared and they just run and they just grab your leg and you're, oh, I didn't even see it. What happened, you know? They, you're not even paying attention to them, but they don't care. They just want to be near you. They just want you to hold them. You know, I, I don't know if you've, you've experienced that with your children, maybe a niece or a nephew or some, a child you were caring for in church or in a mission trip or whatever, where, where they just squeeze you so tight, you're like, oh, okay. But they, they just, they, they, the refuge, they, they want you to squeeze them back that tight. That's that kind of refuge that God is. You can run to him. You can run to him. He's not going to cast you out. He's not going to say, hey, get off my leg. I'm cooking, you know, or whatever. I've never done that. Uh, <laughs> he will embrace you. He will pick you up. He is our refuge. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Verse 8 says, come behold the works of the Lord. It goes on to talk more. I got to speed this up. You know, it's funny. I thought I wasn't going to have enough to, to share with you. Always happens that way. Um, come behold the works of the Lord. It talks about his works in, in, in cutting off war and cutting off the devices of the enemy. But think about the works that God has done through history. Think about, think about the works that God has done in your life. Right? Th think about that phrase, come behold the works of the Lord. And you can think about the works of the Lord in your own life. See what he has done. Remember what he has done. And we read through, we read through already verses 8 and 9. We already talked about how God stops nations in their tracks, how they're a drop in the bucket in the sense. We get to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. We've all heard this. Um, we've probably read about this. and Another English translation Instead of be still, it says stop striving. Stop striving. The idea is to let go. Stop trying to maintain control. Recognize that the Lord is on the throne. So much of our lives is spent on trying to maintain control when there's actually so little that we have control of. God is in control. And again, I, you know, maybe I... Spent too much time there or something. But nobody that went to sleep that night in that apartment building thought that that would happen. You go to sleep and you plan on waking up. And I, sorry, I'm going to measure my, right? Right? Be honest. You go to sleep and you plan on waking up. Nobody doesn't plan on waking up. Because we're thinking about Today, or what I'm going to eat for lunch tomorrow, we assume that we're going to be here tomorrow to eat lunch. And it's a false assumption. James tells us this. 
We plan and we say, well, go do business here and there. And it says your life is a vapor. Stop striving and trying to control everything and figure everything out. Be still and know that I am God. That means he's in control. That means he's got it. That means he already knows. Let me read for you from Matthew chapter 10. You can just take a note, Matthew 10, 29 through 31, and, and just listen to the words of Jesus. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, again, don't be afraid. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are valuable to the Lord. I was listening to Voice of the Martyrs on God's Way Radio, 104.7 FM, godswayradio.com. I was listening to Voice of the Martyrs uh, program on the way to the prayer meeting. So it airs Sunday, I guess that'll be 5.30. Uh, sun, yeah, Sunday's 5.30. And um, there was a man who was imprisoned in Iran for distributing Christian material. You, you got to try to hear, hear it. And um, they questioned him and they said, you know, you're an enemy of the state, you're a spy. He said, no, I'm not an enemy of the state. I'm not a spy. I'm not here to assassinate. I like that, no. They said, well, you're, you're distributing Christian literature and what's, what are you doing in Iran? He said, sharing Jesus. Oh, you want every Iranian to be a Christian. And he goes, yep, that part's true, you know. And oh, see, see, you're an enemy of the state. No, they're two different things. I'm not an enemy of the state. No, but you want every Iranian. And they would press him on this point and he would not recant. He, he was honest in his answer. And we can go back and forth and how would I have been like, well, you know, according to the Lord, no, I can... Uh, he just said, yeah, yeah, I do. And they're like, all right, well, now you're in jail. Wrong answer. Why did I say all that? He said this quote, and, um, and I was like, oh, you know, coming from someone who had been through, through some stuff. Speaking of Satan, he said, he's a banished foe, and he needs to be told so. Oh, that got me pumped up. He's a banished foe, and he needs to be told so. We give that worm too much credit sometimes. And like I said before, a lot of troubles we bring on ourselves. <sighs> know that I am God. And then the rest of that verse, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Listen to this, and I'm sure you'll know the reference. I'll give it to you after reading. Therefore God has also exalted, excuse me, highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Again, remember this psalm, this set of psalms is pointing to the millennial kingdom, to the reign of Christ, to Christ our king. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Another quote I found, this was um, uh, a testimony, a, a witness in a sense of somebody in 1851. It'll make sense here in a moment. 
the Lord of hosts is with us. On Tuesday, Mr. Wesley could with difficulty be understood, though he often attempted to speak. At last, with all the strength he had, he cried out, the best of all is, God is with us. Again, raising his hand and waving it in triumph, he exclaimed with thrilling effect, the best of all is, God is with us. These words seem to express the leading feature of his whole life. God had been with him from early childhood. His providence had guided him through all the devious wanderings of human life. And now when he was entering the valley of the shadow of death, the same hand sustained him. Imagine that, a feeble old man, a feeble old John Wesley. The best of all is God. I imagine he's hunched over. The best of all is God is with us. Come on. Love that. Love that picture. I want to be that old guy. You know? Maybe I'll be still listening to the same music. So the day of the Lord is coming. Because before we get to the millennium, we have to get raptured. The earth needs to be cleansed. Seven years of tribulation. And then we come back. Amen. So I want to give you, I want to end with two things. I want to end for encouragement for those of you that are, are weak and need encouragement and exhortation for those of you that are wandering. Encouragement for the weak and exhortation for the wandering. If you need encouragement here today, I'm going to read from Matthew. They're both from Matthew. I'm going to read it and you can just take note. Let me read it for you and have your attention. Matthew, Matthew. If you are in need of encouragement, if you hear all this and you're saying, yes, Lord, my King, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, but I just need, I need God you to encourage me. I need God you to, to work in my life. I want to believe that. I want to know that. Jesus said, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sounds like refuge. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, the last few verses. And for those of you here that are wandering, maybe even right now your mind is wandering. Maybe you throughout the week have been wandering in sin and in compromise. You're here by a miracle of God or, or you think you're okay and you're not. Whatever your circumstance is, as I try to scan the room, I saw some new people here tonight. I, I saw people I've seen for many years. Whoever you are here tonight, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's two more things that I'm really, really wrestling with here. I got a letter, I got a letter from 
I got a letter from the president talking about more money that's going to be given. I had a heart check. I went, ooh, money. But then I went, how on earth is these people, uh, the United States of America, keep giving out money like that? Why did I say that? That was an honest heart check for me. Am I going to trust in money from whoever is giving it out? Or am I going to trust in the Lord? I hope, I hope that connected with you on some level. And here's the last one. It was an incredible, and in a sad way, in a challenging way, experience to see a black, um, like a Tupperware, you know, the big black, like, what would they be, 25-gallon boxes. The plastic bins that you put stuff in your garage and you forget about it for 15 years, those bins. Okay. Those black bins. It was an incredible thing to see one bin labeled religious relics unmarked, religious relics identifiable, taken from the rocks at Champlain Towers. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth corrupts where gold rusts but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven so the worship team's going to come up and I pray I pray that God has our attention I pray that if we need an encouragement that we would trust that this God this king is powerful is on his way um, but if you are, if what matters to you most is rebellion to God, is sin, or if it's just stuff or whatever, get right with the Lord. Get right with the Lord. And um, I just pray and pray. Uh, so pastors are going to come up as well. I'm going to pray and we'll end in worship to this coming king. Lord Jesus, thank you for Psalm 46. Thank you for the truth that you are a very present help in time of trouble, trouble, in time of trouble. God, help us to be still and to know that you are God. Thank you for this night. And Lord, I do pray, I want to take a moment to continue to pray for every single person that suffered loss at Surfside. I want to pray for every single person that's hurting uh, deeply and personally as a result of that tragedy. We take time right now as a church to pray for them. Uh, I, I don't know if the news is still saying things about it, but Lord, we can continue to pray. So we pray for the, these families and uh, we, again, pray for your work in our lives tonight and on the days uh, to come. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.